From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. It's cold and damp outside. Uh, we're nice and warm. Huddled in here in uh, Liberty Village in Toronto. Tim Spring behind the board, your concierge. Now we uh, we have some dire news. Fukushima, of course, still dumping uh, radioactive waste into the ocean. And, of course, the cores. We could be in a, basically a China syndrome over there. We also have, of course, more revelations of, I would call it the soft march towards totalitarianism in the United States. Now we have the CEO of Yahoo saying that, uh, you know, she feels that she'll be imprisoned or labeled a traitor if she fails to comply with uh, demands from the spy agency, turning over data. And we're hearing this again and again from Internet providers. And uh, recently there was a court case, I believe, out of Colorado in, in which another provider basically said the same thing. His company was ruined because he didn't want to comply with spy agencies' demands. This is going back prior to about six months before 9-11. So there you have it, my friends. Uh, it almost makes you want to step into a time machine and get the heck out of Dodge. And wh- why don't we do that tonight? In fact, we're going to dial it back about 40 years, 41 and counting to be precise. In uh, June of two, uh, 1972, of course, we had five men in suits breaking, in surgical gloves, breaking into the uh, the Watergate Hotel, which housed the headquarters of the Democratic National Convention. And, of course, we know what, uh, basically, what unfolded after that. It uh, culminated in the resignation of Tricky Dick Nixon back in uh, August of 1974. I remember that. Uh, I was eight years old at the time when uh, when the Watergate hearings were going on, and I really didn't understand what that was all about, and I I have to be honest, I'm not sure I do now. However, a new book out is going to offer up a rather controversial, some would would, uh, label it revisionist history, but a a controversial uh, take on what Watergate was all about, not the Woodward and Bernstein version that, that has come down over the past 40 years and uh, recited like a mantra. Of course, many of us have seen all the president's men. Uh, But this is an entirely different take. The real Watergate story. It involves a D.C. call girl who was running a prostitution ring in D.C. at the time and revelations contained in her little black book. Here to tell us about the real Watergate story is the author of White House call girl, Phil Stanford, who's a true crime writer with a special interest in political corruption. His work has appeared in the New York Times Magazine, the Washington Post Magazine, the Washington, the Washingtonian, rather, Rolling Stone, Columbia Journalism Review. He's worked as a magazine editor and a licensed private investigator and was a columnist for the Oregonian and the Portland Tribune. His latest book, as I say, is entitled White House Call Girl, The Real Watergate Story. Phil Stanford, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, great to be here. Uh, for those uh, listening in tonight, who maybe, like myself, were very young during the Watergate break-in, mm-hmm. uh, or weren't around at all, just give us a, a, a brief timeline of what went down in June of 1972 in the early hours. Well, um, yeah, it, it is 
uh, necessary to acquaint people uh, once again uh, with this what was really the biggest political uh, scandal in, in, in uh, the last uh, 40 years anyway in, in U.S. Uh, history. The, uh, and it's, it all started because five, five burglars who had, uh, who it was quickly discovered had ties to the White House uh, were found about uh, 2.30 in the morning uh, in the uh, headquarters of the Democratic National Committee in the Watergate. Uh, everything after that, of course, was called Watergate, this, Watergate, that. And um, the, uh, it took about a, a, a day to, uh, to track the burglars back to the White House. And then for the next two, uh, uh, two years, 72 and 73, the whole story started unfolding, and, and the entire nation was uh, enthralled, I guess you'd say, uh, uh, there was prosecution, there were Watergate hearings, Senate Watergate hearings in 1973. This is the 40th anniversary of those hearings, and a lot of uh, documentaries are being, uh, Woodward and, and uh, Redford have, have revisited uh, all the president's men with the documentary, uh, and uh, we, are, we are coming out on, on the 40th anniversary of that, too. But it was a, a huge political scandal. Uh, and I would say, you know, greatly misunderstood at the time. And at the time, uh, it was dismissed, I guess, by the uh, the White House press secretary as being a third-rate burglary. Uh, so, again, the Watergate Hotel housed the Democratic National Convention or National Committee um, uh, headquarters, and uh, Nixon was in the midst of a re-election uh, campaign. So, right. what uh, what? I guess, was the official version of, of why uh, Frank Sturgis and James McCord and, and Bernard Barker and, and uh, Martinez and Gonzalez, uh, who, who had you know ties, obviously, to the Cuban community and the Bay of Pigs and the CIA. What, what were they after? Why did they break into the DNC? Okay, well, the conventional explanation uh, that comes to us from the Senate Watergate Committee uh, is, is that they were there to get, uh, to do some political spying on the Democrats, uh, specifically on Larry O'Brien, who was chairman of the Democratic National Committee and had offices, uh, an office uh, in, the, in, the DN, uh, in the DNC. Uh, the fact is, though, when the burglars were uh, apprehended, they were nowhere close to Larry O'Brien's office. Uh, they were out in the, in the larger area. Their photo, uh, photographic equipment was set up on a uh, filing cabinet or a desk that belonged to one of the secretaries. Uh, and when the arresting officer grabbed one of the burglars, uh, Martinez, uh, or, or, or uh, told him to put their hands up the ball, uh, Martinez reached it, uh, you know, having assumed the position, you know, uh, feet spread, out, hands against the wall, tried to reach something out of his coat pocket. And, and when he did that, of course, uh, one of the, uh, the cops thought he might be going for a gun. He wrestled him to the ground, and what he found was that Martinez had a key attached to a little notebook. And, and, and as the FBI found, uh, discovered in the next uh, few days, that key belonged to the desk of that secretary. Now, that, that's significant, uh, and, uh, very significant, and, but completely overlooked in almost all the accounts uh, of Watergate to this time. And, and as, as Jim Hogan said, uh, in his book, he, he was the one who's, who's uh, 
started this in, in a, a book, Secret Agenda, in 1984. It's the key to Watergate, because that what what the, according to the information we have, according to the information that I, I've, I've developed much farther than anyone I, I think than, than before in in White House call girl. There's every reason to believe that that phone, that desk, uh, uh, belonged to a woman who was making connections with the call girl operation about two blocks down uh, Virginia Avenue in the Columbia Plaza, and that's where uh, that's where people just don't want to go in this country. That's where the uh, conventional media is scared to tread. Phil Stanford is with us, the author of White House Call Girl, The Real Watergate Story. Let's talk a little bit about this this uh, prostitution ring, uh, call girl ring, if you will, in D.C., mm-hmm. uh, and, and spend a few moments discussing who this Heidi, is it Riken? Riken, yes. Who was Heidi Riken? Heidi Riken uh, was an ex-stripper, uh, ex um, ex-nude model, ex-stripper, uh, who... Uh, Tried to get in the, uh, the business about 1960, uh, and it was quickly discovered she wasn't much of a, uh, a dancer. So uh, the mob uh, people she associated with uh, put her to work, and, and for the next uh, decade or so, and, and beyond that, uh, because that takes us through Watergate, she she was the mob's girl. She was uh, she carried money for them. She they used her to meet. Uh, the gamblers used her to, uh, to get inside information on professional football players. She'd do that by getting close to them, and then she'd be able to report on injuries or uh, problems they had that might affect betting. Or uh, who knows, because the, the, the gamblers were uh, interested occasionally in, 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 in fixing games, what she, what she might have had to do there. But she, the mob used her to meet people. She was close to uh, the top guy in the D.C. mob named Joe Nesline. Uh, Nesline is uh, a, a very uh, heavy-duty character with, with ties to uh, mobsters like Maya Lansky, uh, he, uh, with, to Jimmy Hoffa, as it turned out. Frank Costello? Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure. But I, 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 I think I've, I've uh, seen that connection also. He was, uh, he, he, he was no uh, small-timer. He ran the numbers... Uh, in, in Washington, D.C., he had connections to the top guy in Louisville. Uh, Heidi had been a girlfriend of his. She got sort of pushed uh, out by Josephine Alvarez, who married Nesline back in, in the early 60s and, be, uh, and became a, a close friend of, of Heidi. Uh, I, I rely uh, in my book a lot on what Josephine uh, Alvarez has told me. She's, now, Heidi's uh, father. Heidi's father was uh, was he a U-boat commander during the Second World War in Germany? No, Heidi's father um, was uh, an enlisted man, and, and somehow at one point uh, during Watergate, uh, Heidi was seen at uh, Nathan's, uh, a watering hole in Georgetown, with uh, Mo Dean, her good friend, uh, well Mo Biner at the time, later became Mo Dean. And the gossip columnist, uh, or maybe she was even Modine by that time, a gossip columnist said something in the Washington Post about how the Modine was seen with um, this a beautiful blonde whose father had been a U-boat commander. So basically, uh, three-fourths of it was right, but uh, Heidi's father got a big promotion in the process. So he was an enlisted man in the German Navy. So he right. wasn't. A, so there's no yeah. Nazi connection here, in other words. That, yeah, well, 
uh, in the uh, in World War Two, he was he was right. uh, uh, in, in the German Navy. So so he was uh, uh, wore a Nazi uniform, and the family immigrated to the United States uh, in the in the early fifties. And Heidi was fourteen at the time. Uh, she uh, got out of high school in Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, enlisted in the army. Uh, it was in Washington D.C. Was Miss Fort Myer for a while uh, at one time, and, and and that's where she she a photographer who took her picture asked her if she'd like to do some nude photos, and that's how she got started. All right, and as we'll see, we'll take a time out here, uh, Phil. As we'll see when we come back, uh, Heidi would become would, would would be at the center of a call girl ring that would ultimately, perhaps, according to at least this fascinating version, bring down the 37th president of the United States, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Back with more of my conversation with Phil Stanford, talking about the real Watergate story, White House call girl, here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back, friends. I neglected to mention off the top, we have a new affiliate, KBURAM 1490 in Burlington, Iowa. So KBURAM 1490 joins the Conspiracy Show family. Thank you for uh, making us part of your team. And uh, we will... I, I, I'm just looking at my notes here. It says, actually, they'll be... Uh, uh, they'll start carrying the show <clears throat> on October the 5th. So uh, they've officially signed on. They'll start carrying the show October the 5th. And when that date rolls around, we'll uh, we'll say thanks again to uh, KBUR AM 1490. Phil Stanford is with us. And uh, we're discussing his book, White House Call Girl, the real Watergate story. Of course, for the last 40 years, we've only heard the Woodward and Bernstein perspective on Watergate. And finally, we're getting to hear the other version uh, courtesy of Phil Stanford, and the contents of a little black book that belonged to call girl Heidi Riken, uh, who passed away some, uh, I, I guess, well, over 20 years ago. But uh, uh, now back to Heidi Riken and, and uh, how she, uh, you know, b- became the, uh, this, this, the center of this, this scandal, this right. political scandal. Now, what was what was the role then of the DNC in this call girl ring? Were they sending her clients, uh, uh, politicians, senators, judges, celebrities? How what was well, the DNC's? Uh, uh, probably uh, yes. Uh, the short answer is yes. They were sending clients, and uh, you, you know, politicians dropping in from out of town were, were probably the most likely candidates to be sent by the DNC, of course. But she was also making contacts in the White House on her own uh, at, at, with the State Department as well. And she's copying all these names and numbers down in her little black book. Well, well now, the, the little black book is her address book. She, Heidi, Heidi was not what you would call a madam. I mean, she, she was doing that for the mob at that time. Okay. But she was a party girl. She, uh, she wanted, you know, if, if she'd had her druthers, she would have been the next Marilyn Monroe. You know, the, her problem, she was beautiful. 
she could do a good Marilyn Monroe imitation. She didn't have that talent. So she ended up working as a courier for the mob, meeting people for the mob, and in this case, running a blackmail operation for the mob. And it's always difficult to piece these things together, especially when the intelligence agencies get involved. But that's what it appears was going on here. All right. You mentioned earlier that uh, she had a friend, I guess, who later turned out to be her roommate, uh, by the name of Mo or Maureen, uh, later to become Maureen Dean, the wife of uh, White uh, Nixon White House aide John Dean, right. who also figures very large, of course, in this political scandal. But uh, uh, tell us about her relationship with Maureen Dean and, and why that's significant. Well, it's significant, first of all, because uh, Maureen Dean later married John Dean, uh, the counsel to the president, who some scholars think as counsel to the president running his own little intelligence act, uh, activities, actually uh, ordered the Watergate break-ins. What we do know for sure is that uh, once the burglars were caught, uh, he directed the cover-up for the White House. So uh, the connection between Moe and Heidi is important because there's a connection between Heidi and John Dean. Uh, Moe Mo Dean... Uh, was a very good friend of Heidi. They met in, in Texas or New Orleans, one of those places, it's not clear. They were roommates. They, they traveled together. For several years, Mo moved back to Washington with Heidi from Texas. And uh, Heidi, for her part, you know, her, her job was to meet people for the mob, did this with a great deal of enthusiasm. And her book has uh, names of people in the, uh, of officials in the Nixon administration of, of course, John Dean, of course, Mo, uh, his wife, uh, girlfriend, later wife, Mo, uh, but others, too, in, uh, including Jeb Magruder, who's a very important character here in, in, in the whole story. So, in, in other words, John Dean, who, as you say, at the very least, orchestrated the cover-up after the five plumbers were caught breaking into the Watergate Hotel, I mean, uh, his wife is very good friends with a woman who's connected, deeply connected with, with the mob, and is running a blackmail operation on their behalf, that in itself would have been a, a huge scandal had, had that ever uh, you know, broken in, in, in the press. So then if, there, if the, the, the rationale for breaking into the Watergate was not you know, to get the, 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 the Democratic playbook for the next election, it was, is to, it was to get some information that what? Uh, would have embarrassed John Dean or... The, or well, uh, I, I, let, let's just assume, you know, for the, uh, the sake of argument, or for the sake of exploring this, this so-called call girl theory, what John, if, that John Dean did order the break-in through Jeb Magruder. Uh, Jeb was a guy he could manipulate pretty well. He was the acting chairman of the committee to re-elect, and, and he was the one... With the unfortunate who, acronym uh, CREEP. <laughs> CREEP, yes, yes. yes. And... and, and um, he was the one who actually gave the marching orders to the burglars. There were two, two different burglaries, one in May and then the one in June when they got caught. Uh, so uh, just why, supposing that, you know, uh, for the, uh, once again for the sake of argument, that, that, that Dean was, did want the burglars to go in the first time, uh, more, more than likely it would have been to collect sexual information himself. Uh, that's a... Uh, 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 tried and true way of, of advancing oneself in, in, in Washington uh, politics anyway, always has been, having uh, 
uh, I guess for uh, yeah, having, having getting dirt on other people, so that, you know you can you can Democrats and Republicans. Yes, and and, and intelligence agencies as well. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was famous for it. The CIA had its own safe houses back there, uh, uh, places where they'd experiment uh, uh, on, on unsuspecting people using drugs. That's been well documented. Places where they'd entertain uh, their their friends from abroad or wherever or, or with prostitutes. Uh, the everyone collected information. The, the Washington D.C. police force had its, its own intelligence. Uh, operation uh, had their own interest in, in sexual uh, information on, on politicians of, of, and, and, and officials of, of both parties, of, of all parties. Yes. So was Dean also interested in protecting uh, his, his wife, or was, it, was, was he afraid that somehow uh, his wife, Maureen, would be caught up in this snare as well because of her relationship with Heidi Riken? Uh It is... Um, it, it, it's a matter of speculation. Uh, uh, Dean, of course, uh, uh, would, would deny having anything at all to do with this. He denies that, uh, that Heidi uh, connection is important. Uh, he he uh, dismisses the whole theory as you would expect him to. Um, but why? There are two different burglaries. They might have had different motives. Maybe the first time uh let's say he he wanted to collect the information the second time uh, it might be different it might have been defensive uh and and here's where it really gets complicated it's it's, it's a good thing to be on a conspiracy show to talk about this because these guys definitely do conspire and uh it, in this case it, it it's it's it, i'm trying to figure out a way to to reduce the story to sort of manageable terms here but uh, one of the a, a, a uh, lawyer who was sort of a hanger-on at, at the Heidi operation in the Columbia Plaza, he used to report to her on, on what the vice squad was doing because he was paying them off anyway, um, got busted. And uh, when the, the FBI busted uh, for, uh, for small-time prostitution operations, he, he, he too wanted to be another Bobby Baker, wanted to... Uh, Build a career on doing sexual, uh, uh, providing sexual favors for politicians, and that—that that was his uh, his his silly dream. Um, but so he was. This came to the attention of the FBI. They raided his office. They got his address books and his his, his office books from his secretary. And in those books, they discovered not just Bailey's friends, but these women at the uh, Columbia Plaza who were connected to Heidi. Uh, and it created a huge panic uh, in in uh, in certain circles in Washington. Uh, what were they going to do with this? And so, uh, what they did was uh, <laughs> uh, this goes to your question: of Was he trying to protect? Uh, was John Dean interested in protecting his wife? His wife's name was, according to Bailey, and according to his secretary, uh, his sister, and according to the prosecutor who uh, said so in a taped interview with uh, Len Kolodny, who wrote another book on this subject back in 1990. The Silent Coup. Uh, yes. Uh, it, it, that uh, Mo Biner's name was in it. They called her, uh, you know, they, they knew her by the initials. Um, Again, this uh, is Mo Dean, John Dean's uh, wife. Yeah, Mo, Mo Biner, that, that was the, uh, that's, 
the woman uh, that was uh, John Dean's girlfriend and and, and Heidi Reichen's roommate. So, yes, uh, he could very well have been worried about that connection. Well, the, the interesting thing is, and you, 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 as you point point out, you know, we we tend to look back and and, and according to. Uh, the official Woodward and Bernstein version, if you will. John Dean was supposed to be one of the good guys. Yes, he admitted that he had participated in the cover-up, uh, but that's he only learned about it afterwards, and he was trying to protect his boss, the President of the United States. Uh, and then he, you know, he was sort of a key witness uh, for the prosecution, if you will, in, in the in the hearings. We look at John Dean as the good guy, but this does not paint a very favorable picture of uh, John Dean. Well, you know, it, it, it is remarkable that uh, normally sensible uh, news organizations would view someone like this as an authority on the subject. He was a player, and his, his role uh, was always very much in doubt, uh, to say the least. But, I mean, here you've got a guy, and, and, and he's, he's sort of the darling of a lot of liberal media because in addition to having uh, testified for the right side uh, in, in, in the Watergate, uh, he has since written a book called uh, Conservatives Without Conscience, attacking the George W. Bush administration. And so uh, he, they're, they're even less likely to question his story about Watergate. But, he, you know, look at this guy. He's a convicted felon, disbarred lawyer. There are those who thought he uh, ordered the break-in. He certainly ran the cover-up. And, and when he saw that the cover-up wasn't going to work, he made a deal with the prosecution. He cut a deal with the prosecution. Ended up serving and, only four months. And, and, to, and to save his neck, you know, uh, he started turning in his, his uh, fellow co-conspirators. You mentioned, so, uh, let's go back to the five plumbers for just a second here, because I, I right. want to flash back to the, was it Gonzalez, when, when he was uh, apprehended, he had this little notebook with a key attached to it. That was Martinez. That was Martinez. What was that notebook? Do we know? What was that key? It was a, a key I, to a I, desk. You know, I'm not sure just what the, was in the notebook. It was taped to the notebook and separated. The key is in the FBI evidence the, the, uh, uh, file. Uh, the, uh, the, the notebook, as far as I know, is, is not particularly revealing. But it's the key that's revealing. It was the key to the desk of Maxie Wells, who, according to this theory that we're... Uh, the White House call girl is all about uh, was the was, was where the calls were coming from to Heidi's call girl ring. So that that's what the key was. Key was to that desk. So you, you have to assume that there was something in that desk that they wanted to get. Was it information uh, that would have been damaging to Dean or, or to uh, Mo, or, or or was it uh, were, were they trying to? get information on other people as well. We don't know. All right. We'll come back, Phil. I want to talk about, we will get around to the actual uh, little black book and how it came into uh, uh, your possession, or at least how you were uh, able to have access to it. Sure. And uh, But we also need to talk about the 37th president, Richard Nixon, and whether, uh, you know, how history should now view him in light of this. Was he just caught up in this? Was he, in fact, an innocent? We'll, uh, we'll get to that as well. Phil Stanford author of White House Call Girl, The Real Watergate Story. Stay with us.
The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we're talking to Phil Stanford, author of White House Call Girl, The Real Watergate Story. And, uh, you know, we're all familiar with the All the President's Men version. Uh, great film, Robert uh, Redford, Dustin Hoffman. Uh, and uh, it's kind of a sanitized version that what the Watergate break-in was all about was, you know, the, the, those in the White House, the Republicans, uh, trying to spy on their political rivals, the Democrats, whose headquarters was at the, the Watergate Hotel as Nixon was preparing for uh, re-election. And what it may all come down to, as it often does in the corridors of power, was sex, a prostitution ring or a call girl ring. And some notes, perhaps, scribbled down in a, in a black book or addresses and names belonging to a call girl by the name of Heidi Riken. So what are we then to make of the role of, of Richard Nixon? Uh, in, in Kolodny's book, The Silent Coup, he, he's basically saying that it was all John Dean, really, and Nixon was the scapegoat. He was sort of just caught up in this. What do you make of that? Well, now, it's pretty clear that Nixon didn't have anything to do with the break-in itself. No one has seriously argued that's the case. Uh, no one has, has offered any evidence that, that that's what it was. That wouldn't be too unusual. The higher-ups in this or any other, other administration would know that they had people working for them who would take care of things like this. Uh, John Mitchell, uh, the attorney general, for example, knew very well that uh, there was, was an intelligence operation being run out of the committee to re-elect. Uh, he met with uh, the head of, head of the, uh, the team, Gordon Liddy. Gordon Liddy made proposals to him. Uh, he accepted some of the, the uh, uh, proposals and, and, and uh, poo-pooed others. Uh, at a certain point, uh, he sort of let John Dean take over. And, and John Dean said, we shouldn't be discussing these in, things in front of the Attorney General. It's an a, uh, age-old arrangement that uh, uh, leads to deniability. Uh, if something goes wrong, then the uh, higher-up can say he didn't know anything about it. Uh, and, and that's what I think was happening here. Uh, Nixon himself, I, I'm not a Nixon partisan. I mean, th this is, uh, I, w when it was happening, I was working for a Democratic congressman. Uh, I was in Washington then. I, I've n <laughs> uh, never, uh, many people who, who uh, or some people who subscribe to this, any alternative theory on Watergate, are uh, sometimes uh, sometimes uh, people come from the right here because they think that Nixon was maligned. There, there, Nixon was a corrupt uh, politician. I, uh, uh, he was uh, the, the only one to resign. He, he would have uh, been driven from office if he hadn't resigned. And and I think there are probably you know any any number of good reasons why he uh, should have been driven from office, but. Uh, this is not one of them. He didn't have anything to do with ordering the break-in. Uh, of course, when the burglars were discovered, he and everyone else in the White House, uh, with Dean's direction, were scrambling to cover it up and, and see if they could survive politically. But uh, and 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 he, uh, th that is and, and uncovering the the cover-up is, is what uh, Woodward and Bernstein did for the Wash, uh, as well as other journalists did. Um, and but uh, I guess the other question, though, this one. the other question, Phil, would be what then what are we to make of of 
Woodward and Bernstein, who have been sort of placed on this pedestal as, you know, these amazing investigative reporters uh, for the Washington Post. And uh, and yet, I mean, they're not happy with any time, you know, someone comes out with a book like yours, uh, talking about this other version, that it, that it was about this call girl ring. Right. Uh, you know, you're labeled as conspiracy theorists, and and what are they? What is? What are Woodward and Bernstein so afraid of? I mean, why? Why is this version so scary to people? Well, uh, the Watergate myth that's come down to us you know, is, is is largely uh, the story that was developed by the Washington Post and by the special prosecutor, uh, and and it. You have to realize this was all a very political operation. There were people who wanted to get rid of Nixon, not just the left, and, and the left certainly hated Nixon. The, the Kennedy Democrats hated Nixon, but the right too. Uh, the most conservative elements uh, in, in uh, the Washington bureaucracies uh, considered Nixon and Kissinger dangerous liberals, if you can believe that. But that's true. Well, Nixon. Uh, people forget it was Nixon who brought in the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, it was uh, Nixon who uh, oh, uh, made the first uh, uh, gestures towards opening trade with China. It was Nixon who started talking with the Soviet Union for detente, and it was Nixon who was conduct with Kissinger, who was conducting secret talks with the North Vietnamese uh, to, uh, uh, to get a treaty in Vietnam. And and he cut out the CIA. He cut out uh, well, most importantly, the CIA. And, and, and was running things out of this White House and even had this little intelligence operation they were running there. The CIA was very worried about this, and they infiltrated the White House CIA, uh, the, the CIA and in, infiltrated the White House intelligence operation. All five of those burglars, McCord, Hunt, and, 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 and the Miami crew, so that, that makes uh, uh, six, uh, well, no, five, uh, had CIA ties. Martinez, the one who was found with the key, was still on the CIA payroll. The other uh, guys from Miami had been Bay of Pigs uh, commandos. McCord, the sound guy, uh, uh, was faking, uh, had, had, had uh, recently retired from the CIA, was still main contact, and, and, and evidence is was still working for the CIA. Howard Hunt, this was his third faked retirement from the CIA. Okay, we've got to take they, a time out, Phil. spying on the White House. We've got to take a time out, Phil. Back with more of White House Call Girl. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740. Phil Stanford is with us. We dis- we're discussing the uh, the little black book that belonged to uh, White House call girl Heidi Reichen that um, may have been responsible for bringing down the president, uh, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Uh, well, he resigned August 8, 1974, but of course the Watergate, uh, Watergate break-in was in uh, June of um, 1972. Now, uh, how did you get uh, access to this little black book? I mean, I, I understand it sort of was buried for about, um, well, close to 20 years. Uh, basically, I got lucky. Uh when I uh, decided to get back into this subject about two years ago, I started making calls around in Heidi's old neighborhood uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, rather the neighborhood of her, her, her mother's house. Her mother had had uh, died some time ago. Heidi, of course, was uh, had died.
died in 1990. Uh, but I, I, I tried the neighbors to see if anyone knew them. Uh, I talked to a, a woman, an old lady who lived next door, who directed me to someone else uh, who was friends, uh, as it turned out, of Heidi's younger sister. And uh, that person said that, uh, they'd at least leave a message for me. And, and a couple months later, I heard back, and that's, that's how it happened. Her sister, uh, Kathy, had been keeping uh, Heidi's, uh, some of Heidi's possessions uh, in a safe deposit box and, and uh, this little black book, actually two of them, one big one and one little one, uh, were in a safe deposit box all that time. And you convinced her that uh, to go public with this information. Uh, went down to Texas and and, and talked with uh, uh, Kathy and her husband, and, and uh, they, uh, you know, we were, we uh, came to an agreement, and, and uh, here we are. Yes. Well, when you and as you're flipping through this book for the first time, what's what's jumping out at you immediately that you you see as you know uh, sensational or or at least you know, uh, uh, damning. The, well, the book was very useful to me in, in reconstructing the life of this woman who, who had be, before had just sort of hovered over the, the, the water, this Watergate uh, debate. It's it sort of a phantom, you know. Uh, the, the people on the conventional side would would even dismiss her because you know she didn't seem to be quite real no one had much information on her so by going back and looking at the names in the book and finding these people i was able to reconstruct her life and 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 and, and so uh what one thing that became clear right away is her her very serious mob connection she was carrying money from bookie to bookie and around the country she was carrying money from the mob to to switzerland uh Lots of mobsters in there. Uh, lots of professional athletes. Uh, that's because she was one of the, her jobs for the the mob was uh, meeting them and, and, and getting close to them, uh, up close and personal, as they used to say on the uh, sports shows. And 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 then there were the, the politicians. First of all, uh, she was out in Texas during the LBJ years. She was in Dallas meeting all the of, of LBJ's cronies. And then uh, moved back to Washington uh, when uh, shortly before Nixon was uh, elected, and uh, set up shop there again. And uh, especially uh, through her new friends, the Deans, uh, she started collecting names of politicians uh, or, or, or officials uh, in, the, in the Nixon administration. So. That's that was that's the overall importance of this book, uh, a, a little black book that uh, I was able to get. Uh, it, it it also sheds light on on uh, the role of uh, certain officials uh, like Jeb Magruder, uh, who who ordered the break-in, uh, who gave the marching orders for the break-in. So it it was a, a quite a breakthrough. So uh, let me ask you again, going back to Woodward and Bernstein. Um, why didn't they? Why don't they give any currency to this story? Are they? Tr- is there something they're trying to hide? No, I, I don't think they, they started out trying to hide anything at all. Uh, it's just that it, it doesn't fit with their story, and they, they've made their reputations, especially Bob Woodward, 
uh, has made a, a, a fortune on his, his reputation as, as the uh, peerless Watergate reporter. And, and so it would, really wouldn't do any good uh, to uh, start changing things here. Uh, in fact, much of, of, of what they have doesn't really contradict uh, the, 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 the break-in story. It just doesn't have anything to do with it. They, 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 they uncovered the cover-up in the White House. They never did anything more than just adopt the, uh, the accepted uh, version of what the, why the break-in occurred and, and let it go from there. So that means they had to sort of accept John Dean as, as uh, something less than the, the weasel that he was. And, uh, they, uh, and, and they certainly didn't want to go back, and, and it, it, would, it would have really upset everything. And, and, and what, what you discover is you start looking more closely at their reporting, particularly Woodward. Woodward is the, obviously the lead guy in all this. Um, is that, you know, they, they, the, 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 the process they, they went through to, to, to bring down Nixon and all the president's men was, was maybe not so sugar-coated as, as the one we have uh, been presented with. Uh, in, in all the president's men, of course, there's this character named, uh, they call Deep Throat. Well, uh, and, and recently, uh, an old FBI uh, uh, official, uh, Fell, came forward and, and everyone said, that's him. Uh, I'm not so sure that that's the case. In fact, uh, the uh, publicist for uh, the literary agent for uh, Woodward and Bernstein's first book, All the President's Men, said that Deep Throat didn't even exist in the first draft, and that it was only added uh, after. Of course, it was uh, also speculated that it was um, Alexander Haig. Well, Haig, Haig is uh, one, one good candidate. Uh, another F, uh, FBI official, Sullivan, is another candidate. In fact, um, it was probably several different people. Uh, but it, it was added to, to uh, uh, this what they brought together as sort of a, a, an, as a dramatic device well, the, uh, to the, juice up the story for Hollywood. The, the pairing um, of Woodward and Bernstein is interesting because uh, Woodward, as you point out in your book, has kind of an interesting background in the intelligence community. Uh, uh, was working at the uh, was it naval intelligence or the Pentagon? Well, he was with uh, a high level communications officer who handled uh, super top secret stuff for the Navy. Yeah. And, and, and he, he had, had, had these connections that, that you wouldn't expect a, a young man to have because of that job. Yes, that's very interesting. And then contrast that with Carl Bernstein, who, of course, I, be, I guess it was in the, in the late 70s, um, uh, wrote an interesting article that appeared, I think, in Rolling Stone magazine in which he, he said or he talked about the infiltration of, into the mainstream media by the Central Intelligence Agency. And so I just find that an interesting – maybe I'm making too much of it. But here we have Woodward coming from you know, an intelligence background, and then we have Bernstein who's basically calling out, calling out the intelligence agencies and, and drawing our attention to the fact that they're, you know, they have infiltrated the mainstream media and they're shaping the messages that are getting out. Right, and, and, and as, as one of the uh, CIA officials had bragged, uh, they could play the, the press like a, uh, a mighty Wurlitzer. The, um, yeah, some people think that that was Woodward's, I mean, Carl uh, Bernstein's shot across the bow. Uh, I don't know whether it was or not. Maybe he was just given a good story. 
but he had uh, he, he, sh- he should have known what his uh, writing partner was up to and, and uh, in fact there, there are uh, CIA memos that uh, were, were published back in, in 1974 75 uh, there, people were actually trying to understand Watergate back then and, 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 and uh, Congressman Nebsey was holding hearings uh, uh, trying to uh, understand the CIA's role in Watergate. Uh, nothing definitive was found, but there, there were thousands of pages of testimony published, including CIA, uh, CIA memos in which uh, CIA agents were, were bragging to each other about how they'd manipulated Woodward's coverage of the events in a way that would, uh, dr- uh, by feeding him information that would draw them away from the CIA's connection. And, and I'm saying the CIA's connection was uh, among other things, anyway, through uh, this the, the call girl operation that Heidi was running for the mob, which was running uh, running it for the for the the agency. Did you learn anything in Heidi's black book about Richard Nixon's association with certain mobsters? No, there, there would be nothing there. She didn't associate with Nixon. She, I, I uh, doubt that she ever met him. But there is evidence, uh, and I think you allude to it in the book, that that uh, uh, you know some big mobsters back east, again Frank Costello, may have contributed to Nixon's uh, campaign for uh, the first time he ran for president against uh, Kennedy in 1960, and and I guess prior to that in 1950 when he was running for the U.S. Senate. Before that, when he was running for Congress, uh, Mickey Cohen in Los Angeles got some mobsters together, and 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 raised some money. Uh, uh, lots of money for Nixon, and, and over the years, uh, he, uh, he accepted money from mobsters. His best friend, Bibi Rebozo, was connected to Santos Traficante. Bibi Rebozo uh, was, uh, this, this is all very interesting, uh, was from Miami, connected to mobsters. Bibi Rebozo was... Nixon's best buddy, he had his own bedroom in the White House. He could go through uh, the, uh, the White House doors uh, without having to sign in. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I, 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 Heidi, Heidi wouldn't have known about Nixon's connections to those, but she had her own mob connections. She was being used by the mob. The mob used her to uh, uh, lobby John Dean on uh, Hoffa's release, for example. I understand uh, Dean is not too happy about this book. Uh, he, he is, I mean, you can sort of understand why he might not be, but uh, he, uh, he sent us, uh, sent the publisher, Farrell House, sent the distributor uh, a threatening five-page letter even before the book was even released. So, you know, he just doesn't like the subject. You know, we're talking about 40 years on a quick... Uh, answer if I could get you uh, from you, Phil. W- why does it matter at this point? Well, the same reason history matters anyway, I think. You know, the same reason the history of the Kennedy assassination matters. Uh, here's, here's the removal of a, of a president uh, and the uh, biggest political scandal uh, since uh, uh, since that time. And uh, we don't know what it was all about. I, I, I think it. I think it's most important uh, because of 
it, it, it was an intelligence game going on there. There, there, there were uh, there was an intelligence operation from the White House. There was an intelligence operation uh, being run by the by the CIA. And in fact, what happened is <laughs> those two wires uh, crossed and, and short circuited, and, and with the burglary. Uh, being discovered, and 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 then we had Watergate. We had a okay. huge scandal, but no one really is is able to uh, save. I got I got to go, Phil. But I thank you, White House call girl. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you, Phil Stanford.